everybody, my name is Isaura and welcome to the Grief in Motion podcast where we discuss our grief journey and how showing up for myself has helped me in my grief. Thanks for listening. Welcome to episode three, What Now? In the last episode, I talked about the story and what happened with Ryan. If you haven't listened to it yet, I recommend listening to it because it paints the picture of this podcast. Today, I'm going to share about life after losing Ryan, a few weeks after losing him. And there's something and there's something that I didn't mention at the end when Ryan passed. And I just kind of think that it's significant just because it, it helps to continue to paint the picture of God's provision and some of the wisdom and the discernment that he allowed me to have during that time. And so part of the reason why Ryan was in the hospital for a long time was because he was an organ donor and they mentioned that. And so they were trying to find a match for him. And, um, in order to donate, he had to pass within 90 minutes. And so when going back and forth on whether we should proceed with comfort measures, um, or deciding, um, to do the surgery, which wasn't going to be until the next morning. And at this point, this was day 10, it was good Friday. And, my family and I were exhausted and you could tell obviously Ryan was too, just physically. And so it was a big decision and I felt like it was kind of on me and, you know, I really wanted to honor Ryan's wishes of donating. However, I didn't want to have him keep holding on even if it was for another night. And again, Good Friday was just so fitting for him. Um, to be the day to go home to Jesus. And so um, we decided to proceed with um, the comfort measures. And so, again, you had to pass within 90 minutes to be able to donate any of your, to donate anything. And so we decided to um, not do the donation. And so this was around 5.15 in the afternoon we, that's when we decided to to do the comfort measures. And so Ryan was breathing on his own for four hours, which meant that if we had waited until the morning, we wouldn't have been able to donate his organs. And so this was just, I wanted to share that just because it was another example of God's provisions and plans and um, kind of just giving me this sound mind of... Um, on what to do because that was stressful and it was hard. And, um, I'm thankful that God made that clear to me. Um, so before we start, I want to read a Bible verse. Um, it's a verse that's provided so much comfort for me, knowing that Jesus himself experienced anguish. But before we get into that Bible verse, I want to put into words what the word anguish means just because not a lot of people know what it means. And I sure did not know what that meant until I had to put words to this experience and something that I was feeling that I had never felt before. So anguish is an almost unbearable and traumatic swirl of shock, disbelief, grief, and powerlessness. Anguish not only takes away your ability to breathe, feel, and think, but it comes for your bones. Well, and it comes for your bones. It causes us to crumple physically on ourselves, literally bringing us to our knees or forcing us all the way to the ground. This was a feeling that I had felt probably every single day in the hospital and 
when I came home and then obviously still felt it after his passing. And the Bible verse I want to share is in Luke 22, 42 to 44. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. I think about this verse, and I think about how God has given me so much comfort and peace through through all of this, and he still does. And I used to think to myself, you know, it would be really hard if I prayed um, or asked the God of comfort and peace to comfort me if he didn't know how I felt. But Jesus knew how I felt. He, All of the human emotions that we feel, he's experienced. And so I could go to somebody who knew exactly how I felt. And so it was easy for me to go to him and ask him to bring me comfort and peace through all of this because he could relate. And he tells me, my daughter, I know exactly how you feel. And so that's just one thing that, um, one of many things, obviously, that I feel so grateful for that he gave me and anguish and this feeling of, and all of the other feelings of disappointment and sadness and heartbreak and joy, um, all of that, it's in the Bible. And another thing about that is God gives us the recipe right? So we go through these seasons when we feel all of those things, but we're not supposed to stay in it. So we're not supposed to stay sad. We're not supposed to stay in, in feeling heartbroken or, um, or just this complete sadness all the time. And yes, we have it, but also the Bible is this recipe, It's this beautiful recipe of how to get us out of there and how to experience joy still and hope. And so we can hold on to that. And we're going to go through times where we're going to feel all of these sadness and hardship, but also we wouldn't really know what true joy felt like without experiencing the opposite. And so... As I've just spent more time in the Word through this season, that was one thing that was clear to me. It's all over the Psalms um, and how you can feel this and you will feel this and you will have it, but also, and you can have hope and joy and you can experience all of those things. So that's a big, I guess, recipe of what has helped me to have experience to experience peace and comfort um, of knowing that I have a Jesus that sits with me and somebody who knows exactly how I feel. And obviously I'm not going to compare this to him going to the cross, but it's the empathy. It's that he knows. He knew that I would go through this. It's not a surprise to him. So this, this verse just reminded me that I'm not exempt from troubles but knowing that Jesus experienced the same emotions I did brought me to a lot of comfort. The morning after Ryan passed away, I woke up, and obviously I'm sure I didn't really sleep, and spent some time in my little chair in the corner because I needed some comfort and figure out how I was going to make make it in this new life. 
the house was filled externally with loved ones still. Friends and family were still here, but I was internally empty, broken into a million pieces after losing a big part of me. My family and friends stayed until Easter. I don't know how, but we all made it to Easter service. And sad and broken and um, people hugged me. People saw me and I, and I hugged them back and they comforted me. And I was there to do it with my family and my friends. And um, even though it was hard, I went into a space where I knew that I would be comforted. And so made it to Easter. When I get up in the mornings, it felt like I was missing a limb. How, that, how was I supposed to keep living when an essential part of me was gone? It's like trying to walk without a leg and you don't get crutches and you don't get a wheelchair because I just got started and I wasn't trained and didn't know how to use that equipment. So I compared that to, I didn't know what grief felt like. I didn't know how to go through grief. So I didn't have those tools. I didn't have the things that helped me. I had family there and I had friends, which were also essential. But eventually I had to do this on my own. I mean, I didn't know anything else. It's been 10 years since I've had, since I was whole without, without my person. I remember going to places and felt like every part of me was being questioned, doubted. Who is this person? Who can she be without the essential limb? Wait, could they see that my leg was missing? Do they know it? I felt like it was written all over me and I couldn't escape. I felt like I was being judged. I felt like I wasn't sure how I was going to keep going. Like internally, I felt like there was a limb missing. I know you couldn't see it externally, but internally, that's how it felt. Four days after his work, I went to, after his death, I went to his work. They gave me all the things from his desk, things that they had. Um, I did have one of my sisters come with me, which was so great. Um, anytime I, there was like important information or anything major important I had to do, I always had somebody there with me. Um, to just another pair of ears and eyes because um, I was still very much not thinking clearly and highly emotional. And so there was always somebody there with me. And his co-workers told me stories about Ryan, reminding me of his consistency and his character. One of my sisters was with me as I listened to the benefits package and heard stories and I walked away from this establishment knowing that I wouldn't be meeting him there for lunch anymore or see this excitement in his eyes when I talked when he talked about his work. Five days later, I went to the funeral home. This was the first time I became angry with Ryan. I was mad about the fact that I was 33 years old and I was discussing burial arrangements. And Ryan, I always knew that Ryan wanted to be cremated. Um, we had talked about that prior to everything happening. Um, so if you're married, talk about the hard things. Talk about life insurance. Talk about how you're going to still take care of each other even though you're not here. Do you want the person to move forward? How do you want them to do that? Do you want them to remarry? Do you not? Do you want them to 
Um, do you want them to be buried or do they want to be buried or do they want to be cremated? Whatever it is, I know that those conversations are so hard to talk about, but it's reality because one day you may not have had the conversation and the person that you thought was going to be there for their, for at least another 70, 80 years isn't there anymore. So talk about it, become, just get uncomfortable, talk through the discomfort that this could one day happen. And I hope and pray that it could never, or that it won't, um, before you're, you know, you'll never really be ready, but before the time that you expect it to. So I just, I got mad. Um, and honestly, right afterwards I went to Lululemon and did some damage because I was like, no one can tell me <laughs> what I can or can't buy anymore. And so that was my revenge. And then afterwards, I, I don't know, I couldn't tell you if I felt better. I'm sure I did for a hot second and then I didn't. <laughs> and so the service was also, um, being planned on my family and friends and because everything felt overwhelming and everything came, everyone came together to plan this and they wanted to make sure that I didn't have to do anything. And, but any question they asked me just felt like a lot and it felt like too much. I didn't, I didn't know what the next moment was going to bring. What emotion I had to take things moment by moment, um, minute by minute, day by day. There were so many times that I heard Ryan apologizing to me and saying, I'm sorry that you have to go through this. Um, I just heard those whispers of this apology that I had to keep going through life and learned what that looked like without him. I cried in the most random places in my house um, and in spaces that I never thought I would ever lay down or sit. But when grief comes, it comes. It doesn't care what you're doing, who you're with, what time of day it is. It just comes. It just knows no bounds. And there were times when I just couldn't get myself out of the car because the tears just didn't stop. A few days later, a reporter called me and wanted to do an interview to write an article about Ryan. It was a beautiful article um, honoring him and remembering a huge loss in the community. And, um, and in our family. And so... Um, there will be more to come about um, articles and things like that in future episodes. Um, but this one was a good one. And so I was thankful that I got to um, to talk about him. And then it was one week without him. I felt empty and full at the same time. Only Jesus can give me that. I felt filled by the Spirit, hopeful for the for the future, and like I was completely empty at the same time. It felt like I had nothing to offer, questioning how I was going to keep going. Reality was setting in. I had to do this on my own. Family and friends supported me and loved me, but at the end of the day, this was on me. I went from doing life with someone for 10 years in the day-to-day to the person just being gone. You never think that that day that he left would be the last day and that he would never be coming back to this home anymore there wouldn't be any more good mornings or what would you like for breakfast or how was your workout how was your day or what are you thinking about I have been trying to be part of um, the Nehemiah, Nehemiah Center Board I have a friend who's on it and 
we had talked about this being on the board a few months ago um, before everything happening. And I hadn't heard back. And Nehemiah Center, by the way, is a great organization. Um, they help underprivileged kids and um, they have a school um, to help with underprivileged kids and families and after school program here in Houston. Um, they're faith based. And so we had been, we had known about them and um, love what they stand for and what they believe in. And so I wanted to be on the board with my friend and it took a while for me to get anything back. But on day 11, or day 11, I received this email accepting me as part of the board. And I share this because it reminded me that I was still there, that I had a purpose in this pain and that God still wanted me to dream. I thought about how I wasn't going to get it. I'm so proud of you anymore. Um, that the I'm proud of you is now going to be filled by other loved ones and not my life partner. But it was so timely um, when this came and I met with the, the director of the board and I told her my story. And now I think back and I was like, gosh, that was so fresh. It was so soon after. Um, and so it was just crazy, the timing of things. And I couldn't have put this together myself. My friends and family continued to show up and I had somebody with me, I believe it was for 48 days straight. I wasn't alone in my house. There was always someone here, friends and family took turns flying in and out. And for that, I will forever be grateful. And um, not very many people get to have that. And so um, I just thank God for the community that he gave me and um, the ways that people were there for me. Um, anytime a wave came, I had to ride them out. And I had people that allowed me to do that the space and knew that grief would chase me because it knows no bounds. It sticks to you like it sticks to your body like honey, but it doesn't taste sweet. But if I, but I knew that if I didn't find a way to let it out, it would stick to me and, and keep building up. Grief is like trauma. If you don't allow it to be released, it's going to stay in your body and it's going to eat you alive. It'll find a way out. It always does. So during this time, was when I worked out and wanted to do my best to stay consistent. And there were times when I didn't want to, I didn't feel like it. Cause at this point I was only sleeping maybe two to four hours a night, but I called it grief energy. Um, just this energy that just stayed, that was just there. And I know that grief is also very exhausting, but for some reason, um, there were, it definitely was, and it made me feel exhausted, but also there was this, this energy. And maybe now that I think about it, maybe it was just anxiety. Um, but going to the gym and going for runs helped me to release that. And so there was a home gym at my friend's house, which is right across the street from me that I would go to. Um, it just, it felt safe there. Um, I could cry when it came. Sometimes I would cry after runs, after their endorphins were released um, during that time and the exercise. Um, especially runs were intentional um, to spend time with Ryan since he really liked to run and he always tried to get me to run. And I would get so mad at him because I was and annoyed because I really didn't want to. But it's funny that after that I started enjoying it. And so 
anytime I wanted to think about him, I would be intentional about going on runs. And even when I didn't feel like it, I would hear this, do it, show up, go. It's good for you. It's good for you. And so I did. And so, um, Ryan had always wanted, um, to be baptized. Originally, he wanted a pastor from his college church to baptize him because he was the one that he said would help bring him back to Jesus. Probably about a month or so before the accident happened, Ryan mentioned that he wanted to be baptized by our current pastor. And I know that he mentioned that to him. And I was shocked, honestly, um, since he was so adamant about having the other guy do it. But our pastor wanted to honor his wishes and wanted to fulfill that wish on this on his hospital bed. So on day six, when he was in the hospital, Ryan was baptized. Um, we fit 30 people in his small room. Some friends came in from Colorado and watched Ryan rededicate his life to Jesus. During this time, I had a vision of Ryan walking into heaven's gates. He looked back at me, he smiled, and he giggled with such delight and excitement of where he was going. Knowing where Ryan was going gave me so much peace through all of this. I never doubted where Ryan would go. I knew that he was going to be going home to Jesus. And frankly, I was jealous. And honestly, I think he got the better end of this deal. Some people may not love me saying that, but there are times when I'm like, man, I wish I had gone to heaven instead because then I get to be with Jesus. Hmm. <laughs> Um, not that this life isn't amazing and not that I don't think it's good, but that's where we want to go. That's the, we are living to eventually go to heaven. So, um, I mentioned the baptism just because there was one morning I had a friend with me and we rewatched the video and watching that made me remember God's faithfulness and his goodness, um, for Ryan's life and Ryan's life and in mine. And so it kept, it just still gave me hope. And after that, I just got so many visions. Um, there was another vision that I had one of the days that I left the hospital, um, where Ryan was running and he had angel wings <laughs> and he looked and he was like, I can run so fast up here. And so those of you that knew him and loved how much he and knew how much he loved to run, <laughs> this vision was um, was a delightful one. So during this time, um, I always knew and always remembered God's promises to me. They never went away. I knew that I was still meant to be a wife. God knew when I got married, and He knew that He wanted to be a mom, and He knew and that I've always wanted to be a mom. God still allowed me to dream. He wants us to dream. Even through the hard times, even through the anguish and the broken and the brokenness and the sadness, we are meant to dream because that's who God is. We're meant to have hope. We're meant to have joy. He instills all of that in us. And we don't have it, we don't feel it. We have to go to him to get it. <laughs> so I was never ashamed in you with confidence that God's promises remained. I'm still here. 
My dreams didn't die with Ryan. They're still alive because I'm still alive. I'm still here on this earth for whatever reason. God chose him first. And so I can still have hope through the struggles and the doubts, even though the world continues to spin madly on and my world stood still and fast at the same time. Thank you for listening to this episode and walking me through this journey, walking with me through this journey. Please feel free to share this with anyone you think would be able to relate to it. This is about creating community and reminding others that we don't have to do this alone. And please pers- and please subscribe so that you know when our next episodes are coming up. This one honestly took me a little bit longer um, to, to record and write just because um, this is the biggest part where everything felt very blurry and unclear. Um, and so I had to go back and, um, and re read a lot of my journal entries. And I actually had documented pretty much, um, daily because it really helped me to, um, to heal and grieve, to be able to write things down. So again, I'd love to connect with you and thank you again for listening to episode three.